Morning. Let us open our morning of worship by singing, All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with joy, his praise foretell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Dear Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many blessings that you give us day to day. We thank you for this time together that we can share now. We thank you for the fellowship with you and the Lord Jesus Christ and with each other. Lord, we thank you for this, our family. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to bless us and teach us and care for us and help us and sustain us. Lord, we pray that all that we say and do this morning will be to your glory. Amen. I'll ask Steve if he'll come forward and give us our announcements and take our pastoral prayer. Good morning to you all. Hope you're all okay. It's good to see you. It's good to welcome Nathan with this morning. Um, I'm not sure if any other visitors and friends have crept in since I last looked, but you're all more than welcome to be here today. Alex and Kate have provided me with the care news for this week. The Care Committee have come up with some ways to pray for each other with a monthly focus. This month's focus is praying for people who can witness by the way they work in their desk-based jobs, that God will be glorified by the way that they work. We've heard that Malcolm Richards has moved to the Christelphin home in Garswood in Southport and we pray that he will be happy there. John Bonani is still in Bukavu, is safe and is in good health and is helping the brothers and sisters there with their many difficulties. We continue to remember and pray for Christine Griffiths and the family, for Marion, Gladys, Pauline and Mary who are struggling with their health at the moment. We pray too for those who are supporting them that God will continue to work through them to comfort and to heal. We remember also the impending births of babies to Liz Lang and to Becky Sutton and we pray that they will feel God close to them. As Tony mentioned, he's asked me if I will lead the pastoral prayer this morning, so if there's anything further you would like us to pray about, please let me know now. Okay, if you'd just like to remain seated and bow your heads and we'll approach our Father in prayer. Great God in heaven, our Father, our Creator, Lord, you know all people and you know the joys and sorrows, the pain and hurt, the sufferings, the tribulations, the jubilations that people go through and experience. Father, you have heard us just mention a few of our family who we feel are in particular need of your care, your love, of our practical intervention and interaction in their lives. Father, I pray you bless us with the strength and the opportunities to come alongside these people so they may know that you care for them. Father Malcolm has moved to Garswood. I'm sure that will be a change for him, but I pray that he will adapt and be happy in his new surroundings. And likewise with Doris as well as she's moved to a care home. I pray that she recovers from a fall and that Doak and Rosie can continue to give her the care and support that she needs. Father, we pray for John so many thousands of miles away. I guess a lot of us don't quite know what he's doing and what he's been up to and the things that he faces each day. 
but Lord we know that you do we take comfort in that and we ask you to continue to bless him Father we pray for all our family we pray for those who we hardly ever see for whatever reason again Father we pray for opportunity to meet with those people to see them that we will move ourselves out of our own comfort zones to try and have conversations to show them love to show them we care Father there will be so many things upon our hearts again please receive our prayers and our thoughts our cares and our concerns be involved in our lives we pray Amen One of the things I am becoming more convicted of as I become more wise, (laughs) older, is actually how we live our lives and what our response is to what God and the Lord Jesus Christ has done to us is in fact far more important than what academic and theological knowledge we might have in our heads. So when Jesus says uh, all the law is summed up by love the God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself I actually think it's I actually think it is that. And I'm I often I'm think, often beginning to think, that sometimes we set our expectations too high. That we have to convert our office or preach to a thousand or whatever it might be. In James's letter, I think it's the first chapter, he basically says that if you walk past somebody who's in need and all you've got to say is, uh, how are you, have a nice day and walk past, you've missed the point. Verse 3 of our hymn now is Wherever in the world I am, in whatsoever state, I have a fellowship with hearts to keep and cultivate a work of lowly love to do for him on whom I wait. And I'm hoping that's, that's going to be the theme that runs through our service this morning. So if you'll sing with me hymn 137. Neil will come and lead us in our first reading this morning, which is Luke chapter 5. Good morning all. Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats upon shore, left everything, and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came, carrying a paralytic on a mat, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says, the old is better. Incidents of when our Lord Jesus Christ was interacting with the ordinary man, and I think there's a great lesson 
in that. So the first story we read was that Jesus was preaching, teaching to a crowd of people by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two fishing boats up on the shore and as the crowd grew he got into one of the boats owned by Simon and pushed it out slightly and continued to teach the people. And when he finished teaching the people, he told Simon, who had just been sat there, washing his nets after fishing all night, to go out and to drop his nets. Simon says, I have done, and we didn't catch anything. But he did it anyway, and he pushed his boat out, and he dropped his nets, and he caught more fish than he could contend with. So Peter signalled to his partners, to James and John, who came out and desperately tried to haul all the fishing that they had caught, and they dragged it back to the shore. I guess the biggest catch of their lives. Jesus was just talking to ordinary people and he was interacting with just ordinary fishermen. Just ordinary people. Why not an IT operations manager or an electrician or a teacher or a secretary or a housewife? Why not? If Jesus was here today on the mission he was on 2,000 years ago, where would he be? Would he be sat in front of Piers Morgan or whoever else does chat shows these days preaching? No, he wouldn't. He'd be with the people. He'd be teaching the people. He would be interacting with the likes of you and me. God's son. All powerful. And driven out of a love for us and a desire to do his Father's will, he would be seeking out the likes of you and me, just ordinary people, showing us what his Father is like. And that's what he was doing. And so they get on shore with the biggest catch of their lives, and Jesus says, actually, I'm going to make you fishes of men. Peter, leave this and follow me. Biggest catch of their lives... And they do. They just leave it. Boats, fish, business, the lot. And they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is teaching in another town. And a man with leprosy seeks him out. Now, I'm not sure that what we understand by leprosy is actually the leprosy as described in the Bible. However, the man had some sort of sickness, some sort of illness, some sort of skin disease, and because of that, he was ostracised. It was in the law. You were unclean. You were outside of society. And this poor man came to the Lord Jesus Christ, fell on his face and begged him, saying, If it is your will, 
you can make me clean. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am willing. And he touches him. And the man is made clean. Jesus says to the man, he says, I don't want people to know about this. So you just go to the priest and show him that you are clean. The only motivation I can see that Jesus has for this healing is a love and a care for the leper. He doesn't want to be famous. He doesn't want to be known for it. That's what he tells the leper. He heals the man. Why would he heal the man? He's not getting anything from it. The guy isn't rich. The guy isn't influential. He's an outcast in society. He doesn't want people to know about it. He heals him because he loves him. He heals him because he is reflecting God's love. The love that God has for us. And depending on how you want to measure the status of a person, the leper was a nobody. He was an outcast in his society. But not to the Lord Jesus Christ and not to our Heavenly Father. He was special. He was worthy of his care and his love. And he was a man just like we are men and women. So what we see in this story, the love that God and the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrate for this man is the same love that God and the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. Irrespective of our state, whether we're looked down upon, whether we are outcasts, whether we are clever or influential, it's irrespective. Jesus demonstrates God's love for us through his healing. And then we come on to the story of the healing of the paralytic man. Jesus, Jesus now has an audience which is more influential. He's not just teaching the common man. No, no, no. Now he's got the Pharisees and he's got the teachers of the law. And they're in this house with the crowds of people. And Jesus is teaching them. And this paralysed man has four friends. And these four friends are desperate to get this man to Jesus because they have the faith that he can heal him. They can't get in. So rather cleverly, they climb up onto the roof and they pull the tiles off. I wouldn't have been too chuffed. And they lower him down in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ sees the faith that this man's friends have and says to him, your sins are forgiven. Great. Not get up and walk, your sins are forgiven. They didn't bring him to have his sins forgiven, they brought him so he could be healed. 
But one of the things that we need to learn is that very often God's perspective on our life is very different from our perspective on our life. And although I won't go into it in any detail, if you are paralysed or blind or have some ailment, then the common belief of the day was that your ailment was attributed to some sin. You were cursed. You were again an outcast. And the Lord Jesus Christ actually deals with the issue that is most important first. And he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. As he says to us, our sins are forgiven. The first thing he says to a repentant person, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law think, don't speak out, they think, this man is blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, knowing what is in their hearts, tells them, demonstrates to them that he has the power to forgive sin by healing the paralytic man. And he tells the man to get up. And the man gets up. And you know, the best bit about this story, for me, this time of reading it, is that the people were in awe and they praised God. Not the Pharisees, not the religious people, not the teachers of the law, the people. The people that God sent the Lord Jesus Christ to reach, the people were in awe. In my head I wonder how many times had they been to the synagogue And how many times had they gone to their service and left in awe and inspired? They sound inspired to me because of what the Lord Jesus Christ had done. And that's the point. That's the point. The Lord Jesus Christ was teaching the common man. He came for the likes of you and me. And in part, that's what that story's for. The people went away in awe, praising God and inspired because they'd seen God at work through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's fantastic. Because it's what religion is about. It's what our relationship with God is about. An interaction, a relationship, something that changes lives. Jesus wasn't sent to talk to the powerful and the influential, the rich people. He came to serve us all. The sinners, the lowly, the outcast. People like you and people like me. So when we come together now 
to take bread and to take wine, we do it to be reminded of the love that God has shown us in sending the Lord Jesus Christ. That he would do it for us. He'd do that for me. He would send his son so that I would know what God is like. I am worth the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are worth the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We are God's family and he demonstrates his love for us in the life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Gospels are full of it. They're full of those examples. You just look at the stories and you start to peel back the layers. It's about you and me. Where would you have been today? Sailwater Park, the Trafford Centre, a football match. It would have been anywhere where we were. Anywhere where he could reach and touch the hearts of those people, God sends him to save. And so now, as we come to take bread and to take wine, this is what we need to remember. God's love, so that we too, like the people who left the house where the paralytic person was healed, can leave in awe and praising God, that it changes us in some way, that it enables us to go out and just be a little Christ-like, that we can love God, we can love our neighbour, that we can remember what God has done for us. We're going to sing our next song and then straight after Simon will come and lead our thanks for the bread. Soften my heart, Lord. Soften my heart. From all indifference, set me apart to feel your compassion, to weep with your tears. Come soften my heart, Lord. Soften my heart. Lord Jesus, we come in awe. We come in awe of your great miracle worked in us. That we were cast out. That we were out of society. But more importantly, we were out of relationship with you and the Father. And by what you have done, Lord, we have a part to play. We have a relationship with you. And Lord, we see this bread, not just as bread, Lord, we see it as your love, shown in giving your body. And that wasn't just on the cross. You gave yourself in every part of your life you did what the father wanted by talking to the ordinary people the people that your father wanted you to save the people who would accept his message and his love 
And so, Lord, now as we again remember the love that you have shown for us, we just want to say thank you. And Lord, strengthen us that we can show you to other people. Just very quietly, very simply, just by what we say and what we do. We praise you, Lord, and we stand in awe of you and the Father. Amen. Jesus said, Take and eat this bread, which is a symbol of his body given for us. Charles will now come and lead our thanks for the wine. Father, as we move on now to take this cup of wine between us, we continue to think about our lives and who we are and about your greatness. And Father, we pray that we will accept what you have to offer in our hearts this day. We will accept your healing. We will accept your forgiveness. We will accept the offer of new life, a new beginning that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ and is sealed by the blood that we remember in this cup. Amen. Jesus commands us to take this wine to remember his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. My Jesus, my Saviour, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love, my comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. I've asked Becky if she will come and read Psalms 125 through to 127 for us. Psalm 125, a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good. To those who are upright in heart, but those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, 
will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with him. Psalm 127, a song of ascents, of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So when Jesus called Levi a tax collector, he was rubbish at choosing people, Jesus, wasn't he? He chose all the wrong people. Fishermen, help lepers. He, he befriended tax collectors who everybody hated because they robbed them. But he chose Levi. And Levi had a massive party. And he invited all his tax collector friends and other people. And the religious looked on. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law they looked on and they complained to the disciples this is unbecoming behavior one should not associate with such people jesus says that he came to call sinners to repentance people like tax collectors thieves unclean people, outcasts, people like you and me. He came to call us to be godly. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat for he grants sleep to those he loves we can work very hard and we can do very well but if it's not in partnership with God then ultimately it is a waste of time God calls us to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we've come to remember. We've come to re be reminded of his calling. We've been come to be reminded of the things that God and the Lord Jesus Christ have done for us. And we've come to be reminded that we must respond by being like the Lord Jesus Christ. We will sing our last song. Verse 3 says, Lord of all bounty, I give you my heart, because that is where it must start. It's a motivation by, of a change of our lives, motiva motivated by our love for God. Lord of all bounty, I give you my heart, I praise and adore you for all you impart, your love to inspire me, your counsel to guide, 
your presence to cheer me whatever betide. Verse 1, Lord of all power, I give you my will in joyful obedience, your tasks to fulfill, your bondage is freedom, your service is song, and held in your keeping, my weakness is strong. Dear Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the things that you have done for us, and particularly we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth to show us what you are like, to show us your love and your mercy and your grace and your kindness. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made in sending your son, knowing that he would be killed. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you served us, that you came and that you showed us the very nature of your heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much that you would endure such a cruel torture and death. Lord, we pray that you will inspire us, that you will touch our hearts, that we will want to become more like you in the things that we do day by day. Help us to love God. Help us to love our neighbour. Thank you for all the things you've done for us. Amen.